This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Oh, what a wonderful time of worship. I, I just want to say this. I think 2014 is going to be an absolutely fabulous year. I think it is going to be for us as a church. I think what God's going to do in our lives is, is going to be uh, astounding and amazing. It's going to be, uh, in, in the language of our current sermon series, a dangerous journey. A good dangerous. And we're going to talk about that. It's, yes, it's unsafe in some ways because you could sit in your comfort zones and be safe the rest of your life and, and you would miss all the adventure in life. It's, it's unsure in some ways because I've learned this about the journeys that God invites me on. He never sits down with a plan and says, here, let me show you this thing from beginning to end. He usually sits down with me and says, this is the next step. And trust me, I've got others after that. And, and when I'm willing to take this step, then he leads me to the next one and the next one and the next one. So it can feel unsafe at times. It can feel unsure at times. But the great thing about this journey that we're on is we don't have to be afraid. Because you know, when you've got God by the hand, it sort of doesn't make any difference what you encounter. Is that right? Well, you sound really convinced. Is that right? Yes! Absolutely that's right. And so, we're going to take a challenge in that this morning, but before we jump into that, I want to say to those of you who are brand new to New Life, a welcome, a very special welcome to you. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, you are starting out this year right. One of the greatest things that you can do at the beginning of a year is to sort of reset the course of your life. And the greatest thing that you can do in resetting the course of your life is making sure that you get the first things first and you cannot find anything in your life that would be of a higher priority than getting your relationship with God where it should be. This is where you do that. This is, this is where you meet God. This is where God meets you. And it's an indispensable uh, process in your life. And so I want to encourage you, though you are here for the first time uh, this morning, I want to encourage you to make this a regular thing that you do in your life. It will pay huge dividends across the board in your life. I want to tell you this. I won't ever guilt you into coming to church. It has to be something where you want to go and you want to meet with God. Our promise to you is that we will make that experience as life-changing, dynamic, and transformational as God enables us to do. And, and so we would hope that as you begin to fold this into your life, that like the rest of us, Sunday will become a highlight for you. And, and you just can't wait to get up and go to church. I know that sounds maybe like an oxymoron to you, but uh, that's how it happens. So welcome along on the journey. Let me uh, introduce you to a couple of of very important tools. The first is a learning tool. If you'll take out this sheet of notes, it's got fill-in-the-blanks on it. Uh, We provide a fill-in-the-blank teaching notes every single Sunday because we never want to waste your time. We assume that if you're coming to church, you actually want to learn about God and you want to learn about life. And we want to make sure that, that we help you take a step in that direction every single Sunday. So we give you a place to take notes, a place to jot things in the margin. There's a place on there also for you to record how you're going to apply 
what you learn today so that church becomes life transformational, not just making you smarter. So uh, that's what that is. This long skinny card, I want you to pull it out now. This is a connect tool because it's easy to go to church and sort of feel like you're on the outside looking in. You probably assume that everybody here knows everybody else. That's actually not true. Uh, No one in this church knows everyone else in this church, at least of all me. So if I come to you and say, have I met you yet? And you say to me, I've been coming here three months. You just have to forgive me. That's how that works, all right? So we don't actually all know each other, but it's a great way for us to get connected is to start with this, what we call the Connect Card. On the Start Here side, there's a place for you to put your name and your contact information, most specifically your email address. That gives us the opportunity to get connected with you and you to get connected with us. On on the Connect Card side, the other side of it, there are places for you to request information, to submit a prayer request so we can pray about something happening in your life. Also a place for you to apply the teaching today. I specifically right now want to direct your attention to the middle part that says apply today's teaching by, and there are three specific action steps that I will lead you through at the end, and one of them is in red, and that's the one I'll leave you with today. Dangerous journey. Just in and of itself, that piques my interest. If, if someone put up there and, and they said, bored, routine, journey, no one would come, right? Yeah, no, and there are some days when I'd like just a little routine. I know we all have that. But by and large in life, we want to do things that excite and exhilarate and challenge uh, us Because we understand a basic principle in life. The bigger the challenge, the bigger the reward. And that's a great thing. Now, last week, Kevin taught us one really good principle. And that is, the bigger the journey, the more the preparation required. And in 2014, we're taking a great journey and and, and it's going to require a lot of preparation Uh, But I can tell you this, the reward will be great. And today I'm going to talk with us specifically about the role that relationships play in that journey. And we're going to start with one of my favorite verses out of the book of Joshua, because this whole sermon series is in the book of Joshua. We're going to go to the very last chapter, almost the very last verse. And here's what the book of Joshua says. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. Have you ever thought, let's just stop right there. If you went in and someone were to ask you, what would you like engraved on your tombstone? Your whole life reduced to one statement, what would you like said about you? I got to tell you, there's a number of things that, that would be good, but I can't think of any that would be much better than to say that everyone who knew me served the Lord all the days of my life and all the days of my friends who served the Lord with me. Friends, huge understanding of the importance of influence. And he finishes out to say, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. 
One of our great goals as a church is that you would come to understand and love God so that He could be so active in your life that you would serve Him without feeling like a slave or put down as a slave, but that you would consider it your joy to serve in the kingdom of God. And, and, and to make you such a person of influence that the people around you would be drawn to God as these people were drawn uh, to God through Joshua. And I want you to see that it wasn't because Joshua was such a great teacher that he could stand up and teach everybody. And everybody said, wow, Joshua was really great. But these were people that Joshua led in a personal experience with God. And I can tell you right up front that my goal as a pastor is not to sort of twist your arm to get you to become a Christian so that somehow that can be a statistic in a program somewhere, but that my goal as a pastor and our goal as a church is to get you connected with God so that God would be active in your life. Because I can tell you that when, when God is active in your life and you can sense Him working in your life and doing things in you and through you, you know you could never do on your own, that you begin to live life in a dimension and with a peace and a joy that's just astounding, something you've never had before because you can't get it on your own. And that's what the people of Israel experienced under the leadership of Joshua. So here's the basic premise for everything I'm going to teach you this morning. It's our number one truth, and here it is. People play an important, indispensable, and God-given role in my personal transformation and growth. I'm going to give you a minute just to fill in the blank. I'll read it again, and then we're going to actually read that out loud together because I want you to say that to yourself. People play an important, indispensable, and God-given role in my personal transformation and growth. And we're going to look at two myths, and we're going to look at two truths that come out of that particular concept. But I want you to know that the role that people play in your own personal transformation and growth is an important role. How important is it? It's, it's actually indispensable. You will not be able to grow as you should grow You will not be able to develop as you should develop spiritually if you try to do it on your own. People play an indispensable role in your life, and it's not because they choose to do so. It's a God-given role in your life. Now, let's read it together. Ready? Let's read. People play an important, indispensable, and God-given role in my personal transformation and growth. So let's look at the first myth. Myth number one is this. We're getting there, okay? Spiritual growth and spiritual development is an individual thing. I don't know how many times I've heard this as a pastor. And that is, well, hey, my spiritual growth is my own thing. I can be closer to God out here on the end of a fishing pole than I can ever be in some stained glass sanctuary. Now, when they say that to me, I know they've never been here. Okay? Because we don't have one of those. 
But I also know that they're missing out on a whole dimension of life. And people will say to me, but, but pastor, isn't spiritual growth an individual thing? Well, it is and it isn't. Okay? It is in the sense that no one can do it for you. But it isn't in the sense that you were designed to do it by yourself. Okay? Now let's use a couple of illustrations. Is weight loss an individual thing? What do you think? Yes or no? If it's not, I'd like for someone to do it for me. Okay? We all know weight loss is an individual thing, but here's what we also know. We do it far better and far more effectively in groups than we do alone. How about recovery? Recovery is an individual thing in the sense that no one can walk through the journey of recovery for you, but vast amounts of research and statistics show us that when it comes to recovery, we take that journey better together than we do alone. And so we continually say to people, boy, if you're struggling with recovery, you got to go to group. You gotta, you gotta go to celebrate recovery. You gotta go to AA. You gotta go to NA. You gotta, you, you, you'll never make it on your own. Listen, spiritual development and spiritual growth is just like that. People play an important, indispensable, and God-given role in our personal development. The truth is, spiritual development takes place in the setting of community. That's why, friends, it's great when you decide, I'm going to go to church every single week in this coming year, unless I'm sick or physically out of town. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I recognize that even the people I don't know around here, some of them will end up playing an important, indispensable, and God-given role in my own personal spiritual growth and development, and I don't want to miss that. Here's how the Bible says it in two passages of Scripture. Take a look. So this early church, the very first church, they worshipped, what's the next word? Together at the temple each day. They, what's, they, what's the next word? Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Met is a together word. And what's the next word? Shared. That's a together word. Their meals with great joy and generosity. They tapped into this concept of relationships just like the elders tapped into their relationship with Joshua and Joshua with the elders and they found that there was power as they gathered together, as they met together and they took the journey of life together. Yeah. So even though no one can spiritually develop for you, you will spiritually develop and transform, and make progress, and grow much better in the context of community than you ever could on the end of a fishing pole. Okay? No offense to any fisher people here. I tried to say that as politically correct as I could. Okay? So that's myth number one and truth number one. Let's go to myth number two, and, and, and then eventually we'll get to truth number two. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Hebrews 10 further expands on this and says, let us think of ways to motivate. The next two words are 
one another, that's a together word, to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, another, another together word, as some people do, but encourage one another. So there you have it from God. Now let's go to uh, <clears throat> myth number two. Myth number two is this, that my personal transformation, uh, Maria prayed this morning, a great prayer, how that Christ met us when we were in our sin, and, and she even used the phrase, deep in our sin. Because all of us can look, I don't care how moral you have been in your entire life, I, I don't care how good you have tried to be, how many great things you have done, the truth is, if we were to put on these screens the videos of the worst things that you've done in your life, you would crawl out of here with your tail between your legs. Because we all have that stuff. It's just there. And Jesus meets us deep in our sins, and He brings not just forgiveness, but He brings something on top of that, and that's called transformation. That is, He not only forgives us of our sins, but He delivers us from them. He brings with Him the power so that we can be delivered from those sins and we can experience what a a major theme throughout all of Scripture, freedom. Where I feel no longer enslaved by sin and no longer beat down by sin and no longer powerless to resist the temptation, but whether it's anger or jealousy or, or, or lust or pornography or alcohol or you, you name it, whatever it is, that, that I know that thing no longer has a power in my life. I've been set free from it. That's called transformation. Now, here's the myth. Transformation is the result of my willpower and effort. That's what you would get down at the local library in the self-help section. Okay? Here's what you'll get in most churches. Infused with God's knowledge and God's power. So the basic building block is you're going to have to exercise your willpower and you're going to have to exercise your effort. But the great thing about being a Christian is, and we all know, we've heard this, it's in first imaginations, God helps those who what? Yeah, you've been to that church too. That's not actually in Scripture. That's not actually a biblical principle. I want you to hear this clearly. The Bible gives the exact opposite message to that. God helps those who can't help themselves. When you reach a point where you realize you cannot do the right thing in life by yourself, but that you must rely on God's help in your life, you are now a candidate to receive the transformation of God. But there's a myth out there that one of the great things about going to church is when you have done all that you can do, God steps in and makes up the difference. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that at church many times. That's not true. To be sure, the power of God enables things to take place in your life you could never do on your own 
And to be sure, you have a role that you must play in order for God's power to be released in your life. But I want you to know right now, your role is not exercising your willpower and your effort. God will call those into play as he wants to use them. But that's not where transformation begins. Let's take a look at the truth. The truth is that transformation happens where God's Spirit is at work in my life. Now here's the three things that I have to do. This is the role I play. Number one, through biblical truth. Okay? Again, not meaning to pick on anyone who's on the end of a fishing pole, but when you're out, uh, you know, at Lake Sonoma on the end of a fishing pole, it's really hard for God to give an infusion of biblical truth to you. Because you usually are not there reading your Bible and studying, and you're certainly not in a setting like this where a pastor is teaching you. So the first thing you want to do is you want to get yourself regularly in a context where you can learn biblical truth because your life will never be transformed when you believe myths. It's not until you come to know the truth. Well, I'll show you how that works in a minute. Secondly, through soul training. Okay? And there are certain things that that you can do that will actually train your soul. These are going to be big things that we work on in 2014. We're going to work on soul training exercises so that we learn how to train our souls for spiritual development. You cannot, you can't uh, manufacture spiritual muscle, but you can train your soul to grow through soul training exercises. And last of all, through godly relationships. And that's the only part of that that I'm going to break down for us today. Okay, One of the ways that God transforms us is through godly relationships. I call them God-guided relationships. And it's huge for us. Let me, let me show you a transformation triangle that I took out of a book called The Good and Beautiful God, which is a great book, by the way, and there's, I don't know, 32 or 33 of us in our church right now that are reading through this book. But if you look up on the, on the video screens, you're going to see a chart. And, I, and we call it the transformation triangle. And I want you to notice right at the heart of the transformation triangle, you can see is the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, and I want to back up a screen or two and go to Galatians chapter 5. Because I want to show you how the Holy Spirit is right at the heart of our transformation. The Bible says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. By the way, who does the producing? You or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit does. That's why the the statement is, transformation happens. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it happen. And here's what He does. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that not what you want in life? That's what everybody wants in life. We just think we can get it by buying a car. Right? That doesn't usually work. Okay? We think we can get it by marrying the right person. 
to be sure, that's a great thing. But also to be sure, no matter how wonderful that person is that you marry, they will test every one of those in time. Am I right about that? Anybody who's been married longer than five minutes said? Yeah, that's how that works. Okay? Because that's not the answer in life. We think this will happen when we have kids. Enough said already, right? Yeah. There's only one place that you and I can get that stuff, and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how God works in our lives. Now, let me read you uh, Romans chapter 12, because it says, Now don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. That's how J.B. Phillips writes it in his translation. Now, let's go back to the transformation triangle, and I'll show you how God transforms how we think and therefore how we live. Okay, At the top... He teaches us to adopt the narratives of Jesus. In other words, you and I have narratives in our life that that are the way that we explain the purposes and how life works. And Jesus came along and said, whoa, 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 time out. I want to tell you the truth about life. I want to tell you the truth about God. I want to tell you the truth about how life works. And I want to tell you the truth about life after this life. Those are the narratives of Jesus. And when we come to understand that every single thing Jesus said about life, about God, about other people, about the church, everything that Jesus said about anything, that's truth, then now we have a basis upon which to begin to think. It's a paradigm shift. It's that concept of biblical truth. When you go down to the left corner, engaging in soul training exercises. And there are specific things that we can do that actually train our soul and our mind. Did you know that your mind, when you continually expose it to anything, eventually believes it's true? It's at, every advertiser in the world knows that. You can have the worst product in the world, but if you can get enough advertisement on it and enough propaganda on it, people will go out and buy it. Because if they hear it enough, they believe it's true. Well, the same thing is true when you expose your mind through soul training exercises to the truth of God's Word, as unlikely as that truth might have sounded on the way in, Jesus saying, love your enemies, When you begin to train your soul around that concept, an amazing thing happens. You begin to love your enemies. You don't manufacture love for them. The Holy Spirit begins to give you a heart of love toward them. We'll talk a lot more about that in in various series over the year. And then last of all, in the lower right, participating in community. And that's how God changes how we think and therefore changes our paradigm and brings transformation now if you have a triangle and it has only two sides it's not a triangle right you got it and that's the deal it takes all three so how does that look in our lives well i want to give us three action steps as we bring this to a close and the first action step is this To choose to become a Christian today. I want to tell you why that's important. That's important because that actually gets you in the game. 
until you choose to become a Christian in terms of God's kingdom and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the work of community in your life. You're on the outside looking in. And, and Jesus says the way in is a thing called salvation and you get it through Jesus. You choose to become a follower of Christ and God's Spirit moves into your life and begins to work in your life on the inside. And that's step number one. So if you're ready to make that decision and you know that, that boy, okay, I'm on board, okay? Then on the back side of your Connect card, would you please check, I'm deciding today to become a Christian and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. The second step is this, and that's by enrolling in foundations. On the inside of your, of your program you will find a card that looks like this. I want you to pull it out because this is step number two. If you haven't taken foundations or if you haven't taken it in the last couple of years, I want to strongly suggest that you take it. But uh, yes, you heard that, all of you who come all the time. But for those of you who are new to our church, this is huge. This is your first step, not just to, to having God at work in your life, It's your first step in finding out how God is using this church to reach and change our community and what role you might be able to play in that. It gives you an inside look at pretty much everything in our church. It tells you what we believe. It tells you what we value. And it shows you how we do ministry and how we do ministry together. And personally, I would never join this church without going to that class first. Because I would want to know the heart of this church. And that's where you'll learn the heart of this church. Now, I want you to know that that's when you begin to invite the church to be part of that community that's part of your transformation triangle. In the context of community. It's your first step into this church. We never put pressure on you. You can take that. If you decide, whoa, that wasn't what I thought this church was, fine, we'll ask you what kind of church are you looking for, and we'll help you find that church. Because we would rather have you find the church that God's leading you to than try to convince you to be part of this church. But I believe that the vast majority of you, God would lead into this church. And so if you check on your card that you're enrolling in foundations, we'll take it from there. We'll get you enrolled and that starts next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Instead of coming in here, you'll go in the classroom at the end of the hallway. Okay, And then application number three has to do with this, the life group catalog. If you would pull that out, you should find one in the back of the chair in front of you or on the chair where, <clears throat> where you are sitting. Now, we have a number of life groups, actually I think 18 or 19, something like that. And uh, you'll probably notice that a number of them are stamped full already. We just started enrolling people in life groups last week, and we got a flood of people. Kevin's going to talk with you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I want to say to you, step number one, becoming a Christian. Step number two, take your first step into this church. Are you ready for step number three? You enroll in a life group, and now you have narrowed down this large church into about 15 people that you have invited to speak into your life through the life group. And those are the people that God will use over the next three months 
as part of your life-changing process. They will play an important and indispensable and God-given role in your personal transformation. That's what life groups do. So now I want to back up because I know those of you who fill in the blanks are nervous about the fact that there's a blank or two we haven't filled in, all right? Let's get to the dangerous application, and here it is. There are people right now that God wants me to cultivate a relationship with that His Spirit is going to use to bring transformation into both of our lives. I could not write a better definition of life groups. There it is. These are the people that God wants you to cultivate a relationship with, and He's going to use that relationship over the next three months to bring transformation into your life and into theirs. I want to pray for you. I want to leave you with some music. I want want you to to take the time to seek God about being part of Foundations. It's your last Sunday, really, to sign up for Foundations. Uh, And that's going to be, it's a two-Sunday thing. It's transformational. It's powerful. It's fast-paced. It's challenging. It's inspirational. Uh, and it's information that if you're new to our church, you sure should have. And if you took it more than two years ago, we've rewritten it. And I know you'll find it interesting and helpful. So there you go. And when it comes to life groups, everyone should be in a life group. Father, I pray for my friends right here this morning who are not Christians. God, would you call them right now? Would you help them to sense it in their heart and their spirit? And would you give them courage to make that decision and to check it on the card? Um, and, and, and Father, that this would be the beginning of a huge and wonderful and, yes, dangerous journey with you. And Father, would you speak to us about going to foundations? Those of us who are brand new, those of us who took it years ago, would you speak to us about that? And if there's something in that class that you know this is the right time, and there's something you want us to learn, and there's some challenge in there you want us to get, God, would you give us the grace to check that and over the next two Sundays just to go there and allow you to speak into our lives and to be challenged by that. Father, for all of us, would you help us to have the courage to say, I'm going to invite 12 to 15 people into my life so that they can, you can use them for that important and that indispensable and God-given role in my personal transformation and growth. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.